It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio, along with my brother Brian. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Ah, I was already looking at silage samples today. And, you know, you think about making those seed decisions next year. Having data to do it with certainly helps. And we're starting to see some of those yield trials coming out and, and silage trials coming out, soil samples coming in. It's really fun when we get that data to take a look at. Got a lot of questions in the Ag PhD mailbag box. We're going to get to those very shortly here. First of all, though, Brian, you want to talk about anything? You want to talk about harvest, uh, some of the variability out in these fields, or anything else that you're seeing? Yep. Well, the first thing I would say is we're running into a lot of people that are saying their corn's going down or has already gone down. So let's put it this way. If you haven't been out checking your corn fields, you might already be too late. Please go out and look today. We had just some people we were talking to yesterday that they go, oh boy, I didn't realize it was this dry. That 13% moisture corn. Well, of course it was on the ground. Half of it was on the ground already. So when you have a year that's ahead on heat units, you have to plan for harvest is going to be a lot earlier. So if you haven't checked, I, I hope that this is not the case, but you might have some corn on the ground. And the big thing is you just have to get out there and try to get it as early as possible, even if it's a little on the wet side, so it doesn't end up on the ground. Unless, of course, you have cattle and you're willing to uh, have them eat whatever ends up on the ground. That That's totally up to you. But I would just say get out there, check stuff out, and also evaluate which fields should really go first. And it might not necessarily be as simple as, well, I planted 100-day, I planted 95-day, and I planted 90-day corn, so the 90-day has got to be ready first. Not necessarily this year. Especially in our region of the United States and all through southern Canada, we had extreme drought. And so we're seeing things out of corn and soybean varieties, and wheat for that matter, earlier in the year too, that we don't normally see. So some things are finishing way earlier than normal. Some stocks are breaking down way worse than normal. We saw a lot more salt problems because of the drought and that damaged not just roots, but stalks and the entire plant. And so things are a little crazy this year. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The other thing that I would say is we are seeing tremendous rootworm pressure. And it's I would say this is the worst we've seen it in many years. So there is a lot of corn that went down because of corn rootworm, because the roots weren't able to fully support that plant. So anyway, that's probably the number one thing that I would say. I would also say this. A lot of people are going to go, well, we're just going to chalk it up to a bad year. And it was the weather's fault. Yes, the weather absolutely played a role in that. But there are certainly things you can do to fix these problems. So, for example, I was talking to an agronomist today and he said, yep, I was in some corn yesterday that had gone down and it was in the low ground and the guy didn't have drainage. He had he had no tile in there and he's going, well, maybe we'll just do tillage in the future there. You can, but I mean, the guy wanted to be reduced till or even no till And look, if you want to go reduce tillage, drain tile is one of the most important things you can do. I know certainly for our farm, that was a big deal. 
until we had tile, we had to till, 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 till just to try to dry that ground out. Well, that's terrible for the soil. You're ruining the soil's organic matter. You're making the soil more compacted and a lot less productive. So just put the tile in and have it over with. So anyway, that's a big deal. But then the other side of it is the fertility end. So I would really encourage you to do this. This fall, if you're out in the combine and you see some spots where you go, wow, the lodging's terrible in this particular area, go to the worst of that area, pull a few soil cores, so like 8 to 12 soil cores, just from a small radius, maybe a 10-foot radius or something, GPS mark it too so you know where it is. But anyway, then just send that in as a sample all by itself. A Malik 3 test costs like 10 or 12 bucks for a complete test, not just NPK, a complete test where you get all the micronutrients, can exchange capacity, soil pH, base saturation, sodium, everything. And if you want, you can certainly send it into us, but I would just say, here are the three things you're looking for. You're looking for low potassium, low copper, and low manganese. So potassium is by far and away number one. That's probably, let's call it, 80 to 90% of the fertility issue, and then copper and manganese make up the balance. But if your K levels aren't adequate to support the yield you want in terms of parts per million, plus they've got to be at least 4% base saturation K, and honestly, we prefer 6 to 7% base saturation potassium, then that's probably why your corn went down. So I'm just trying to say, let's figure it out. Not just say, oh, it was a bad year. Oh, it was a fluke or whatever else. Let's try to figure it out. Do you have a drainage problem? Do you have a rootworm problem? Do you have a fertility problem? What's gone wrong? So then you can make the adjustments moving forward so hopefully it doesn't happen again. Because I can just tell you, like in our farm, where we've had corn down before and we've had to harvest one mile an hour going one direction, I vowed this is never happening again. And so we tried to figure out, okay, where did we screw up and what do we need to do? And We're always going to get wind. We had 73 mile an hour winds the other day. Okay, you're always going to get wind, you're going to get hail, you're going to get some of that kind of stuff. I get that. But we're just trying to talk about here what can we do as farmers to hopefully prevent some of the problems that are happening out in the fields. And there are going to be other things that are going to show up that you're going to see at harvest time. And now is the time to make notes of that. Just write it down. And as soon as you get done with harvest, or for that matter, even while you're harvesting, start making some phone calls. Talk to your agronomist. Talk to a few other farmers and say, okay, I got this problem. Why do you think it happened? And what are you doing to solve the problem? Cost effectively, of course. So, I mean, there are some things you can do on the farm where it's going to cost you a zillion dollars. And sure, that'll solve some problems. But at the end of the day, you got to make money too, you know. But anyway, all I'm getting at is right now is the time to evaluate all that stuff. But please don't just say, all right, eh, it's just a bad year, or hey, this happened, whatever. Let's try to figure out what went wrong, what we can do to correct it moving forward, so hopefully you can be even more profitable on your farm next year. All right, so again, it is Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743, or email us, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with your phone calls. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, 
Three no-excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Alabama. Got Drew on with us right now. Drew, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys? Well, you know what? We're, we're just getting going with harvest up here, so we're kind of excited, kind of a little nervous. We'll see how it all turns out. How about you? We're... um. We're rolling along with our corn harvest. We're a couple weeks behind schedule, but um, we've had about 20 or so rainout days since we started uh, around the last week of August. Wow. And it's just been tough to get much work done with all that water. Yeah, everybody thinks a rainy day here and there would be pretty nice, but, man, you stack 20 of them up in a month. Uh, that's getting a little excessive. It is. It's, um, it's made it a little bit difficult to get our our corn out, and then also it's you know it's going to start to give us some issues with our cotton, with bowl rot and stuff like that if, if it keeps on. You know, I was thinking about that with the corn too. Are you seeing anything sprouting at the ends of the ears, or or how are the ears out in the field? Are they hanging, pointing down, so they're they're dripping off pretty well, or do you, do your corn hybrids in your part of Alabama hold a lot of the ears up? Um, I was looking yesterday, and it's, the corn I'm cutting right now is about half turned down and half up. And um, it's I didn't see any sprout except for on some ears that would they went to turn over and they caught on the stalk beside it. And I think the little where the ear met the stalk pulled some water. But um, I didn't see too much corn sprout, but you're starting to get a little bit of that wet grain smell just in the field 
Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good when we get lots of rain. So we've got a lot of non-farmers that listen to our show, too, and this is one of the things we talk about a lot. Rain is very helpful for crops if it comes at the right time. And at harvest, my brother's pretty famous for saying, all right, we'll take a month of drought right now while we while we get everything harvested up here and, and safely into the bins. Uh, hopefully that happens for you, Drew, that the sun comes out, the wind starts blowing a little bit, and, and you can get her all in safely. Thank you. You bet. Well, we'll be thinking about you guys. Hopefully you get that sunshine coming soon. Thanks, Drew. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. I'll see you all around. Let's head uh, down to Iowa. Got our friend Tony Wendler on with Farm Shop MFG. Okay, Tony. So Drew brought up uh, a problem that in different areas of the country, they're catching too much rain right now and bringing in grain at this time of year when it's raining every other day. That, that can be troublesome. What do you see when you get into the bins? Well, you've got the uh, you've got the moisture issues that uh, high moisture corn. You got to uh, get that. Hopefully, they've run it through a dryer and kind of gotten some of that excess moisture off. I guess I'm kind of imaging this thing. If it's raining every other day, that it's damp inside the husk, and, and uh, the stuff is physically going into the hopper and into the wagon damp. You need to get that off if they're out there that aggressive and they're getting that much rain yeah. to uh, bring that moisture off. Well, I think you know um, it's one of the. This is one of the conditions where you hear us talk a lot about bin fan controls and the difference it's made on our farm when you've got variable grain out in the field and you just want to harvest the whole field. Where you've got rainy days and you're kind of pushed and you might have to take it just a little wetter than you want it. It certainly gives you some flexibility. The uh, one of you have a, a bin fan control. One of the things a lot of people in my conversations are taking their beans out wet. The um, looking at the opportunities to uh, have the get rid of the harvest loss, loss, get the crop into the bin, and then bring it down to their target of uh, 13 or maybe a little bit uh, a little bit wetter if they've got seed beans. But uh, get it down into those categories, and like you're saying, the fan control is the ticket. One of the things in our weather here right now, we're seeing humidities at night are getting up into the upper 80s, 90s getting a little too wet to run fans on the other end in the afternoons we're getting down into the 40s it's too dry to run fans so having that bin fan control turn them on in the morning uh, somewhere shortly after sunup and then uh, they'll run into midday gets too dry shut off it helps them to do what they're needing to do so they don't over dry their beans or uh, add moisture back inadvertently and uh, contribute to the problem yeah there's a, there's... It, it makes life easy yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And I think getting that ideal moisture percentage, I think a lot of the feedback, Tony, that, that I've gotten when you've been on the show, guys are like, man, is that Tony actually right? Do we want humidity to be up around 67, 68% when we're running these fans? And uh, I'm certain we're hearing you right, Tony. I'm, I'm certain that's that equilibrium point, isn't it? That is that equilibrium point. And one of the things that uh, you actually need to take it, if you're adding moisture, you need to go a point wetter because uh, – Beans are a 1.1 to 1 ratio. It's 1.1 times easier to remove water than it is to put it back. So if our goal is 68, you actually want to push it to 69, make the water a little bit higher to push it into the beans, and then ultimately have it settle back to that uh, 68, 68 and a half, something like that. It varies a little bit on your temperature. And yes, you do. And when you're drying, you maybe go like a quarter, half percent on relative humidity lower than what your target was. So drying, not as much, but 
take it a little past whatever you're doing, but that is exactly correct. That's what needs to be done. All right. Now, I was out in Pennsylvania here a week ago, and I had a couple of farmers talk to me about this. And they said, okay, so we hear we hear this Tony guy on your show all the time with Farm Shop MFG. Can we get a hold of him? How do we find him? Because we, we're going to have questions as the season goes on. So, Tony, how, how what's the best way for people to reach out to you? One is they can go get on their computers and, and identify the, um, the phone number for Farm Shop. Or the other is my cell phone. Uh, call my my cell, 712-219-0148. The, uh, if I'm talking to someone or if I can't immediately answer, I'll text a quick note. I'll call you back. And I usually get back to people within about uh, five to ten minutes. All right. Well, Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG, really appreciate having you on. Always valuable information. Good luck here on your own farm, too, with Harvest. Thanks. Great talking to you today, Darren. You bet. Get a lot of tillage questions here too i got one from steve brian he, he said i'm using a straight shank going about six six to eight inches down and i also need to get my soil sampling done so should i do the soil sampling before or after tillage Always should i before. do should i do four and six inch cores or just six wait, inches wait, wait. Why would you do four and well, six inch cores? Well, he he had some ground that he was new ground that he was breaking up for the first time. I'm wondering if that should be different than part of the field where he had already been working. Um, you know, if it's me, I'm not going to do it different. Everybody wants something. Everybody could want something a little bit different. That's that's really up to you. What you want to do? Would I change it though? No. No, I, I just think, run the same. I think I'd be consistent across the field as well. Uh, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Got this one from Matt. He said, you guys are talking once again about matching up your soil test grid points to yield data. And obviously this time of year is coming up quickly. Wonder if you'd mind sharing a little more of the technical information on how you're setting this up in Excel. Uh, I, I know enough about Excel to be dangerous, uh, but I also have a friend who could do about anything on Excel if I can give him the right instructions. Just wondering what fields and equations, uh, how, do you, how do you set that up? Well, there are two different ways to do this. One, you can just have all your soil tests in an Excel spreadsheet, and then you have to overlay your GPS soil test map with your harvest map. And... And so you, if you do it in a computer program so you can hover over the spot to see what your yield was in that spot so it matches up to that GPS point for the soil test, then you can manually just go type it into the Excel spreadsheet and say, okay, in that spot our yield was 173. And the next one you hover over the spot, okay, our yield in that spot was 182. And so on, and you just type it all in. That's what we did for the first couple of years we did this. Otherwise, you could write some type of program using the GPS coordinates out of your soil test information to say, okay, where were all my GPS points? And then pull it within a certain number of feet, pull the average yield out of all your yield data. So there is a way to write a simple program on that. One of our guys here at the office did it. So now we can, instead of having to manually type all this stuff, we just use that little program, generates all the data to put to plug the yield in and then we match that up and in excel we just compare yield versus all our soil test levels for the different points and then we can map it out hey does higher fertility level pay for each nutrient and so on all right well thanks for the question stay tuned we'll be right back
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, Here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday, so we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's get back to those phone lines. We've got Chris on with us right now up in North Dakota. Chris, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. What's happening on your farm? Are you getting out there and harvesting right now? Yeah, we're trying to finish up. Got some flax and then some hailed out derm that had come back, so that's still a little green so we're waiting for that to ripen up and not too much left though so hopefully get her done in the next week or two all right talk to us about the flax a little bit and i i always find this one interesting i know people love to see it when they're driving by on the road but what's what's harvesting and uh, what's dealing with that flax residue like compared to some of the other crops you grow 
it's a lot tougher to harvest compared to any small grain or like the stems stay green for so long. Usually it takes a pretty good frost to kill it. That's the easiest way. Otherwise it's kind of hard on sickles and guards on combines. And you know, the residue is pretty tough. They used to make clothes out of the stuff. So about the best thing we've found is to windrow it and then get somebody to come behind and bail it. It makes a good shelter belt for cow guys or people with sheep or something. Oh, there you go. That's an interesting use. I, I know uh, uh, one of our guys, uh, Glenn Hers, that's our research lead. He, we we put a little bit of a little bit of flax in at the egg PhD field day site, and it's beautiful, and it got a lot of attention. He's like, oh, I'm not looking forward to dealing with that residue. <laughs> so I know exactly no, what you're talking about. It can be about. a problem. <laughs> okay, so talk to us about this hailed out Durham. Then you actually you got hailed out, and then then it came back. Did you actually get a little bit of a crop? Because that Durham price was pretty good. Yeah, it has come up quite a bit, you know, because we were in a drought, and the one rain we did get on a big chunk of mine just leveled a bunch of it, and there's a couple 300 that was all heading when it got hailed, and oh, it actually shoot. came back. I don't know if it was the tillers that came back, and it's, you know, I mean, it, by the last few years, it's not running very good. It's around the 12, 13, 14 bushel mark, but for the amount of rain, it's not terrible, and the fact that I got anything out of it after that hailstorm is pretty impressive, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. No kidding. Well, you know, when you run into those situations, you just, everybody wants to give up and throw the towel in, but every once in a while, something like this happens where it turns out. Okay. Okay. So talk to us about next year. Cause I think uh, I had mentioned earlier on the show, I was out on the East coast earlier, uh, well, last week and the farmers there were like, okay, I know you guys in the Dakotas can shift acres around. What, what are the winds saying right now? Are they blowing towards more soybeans next year? or or something different what how about your farm chris you know we're we're at we're kind of on the west west of the good corn and bean country although you do see some of it i think for the most part the prices for everything are pretty good right now really uh just because us and the prairies of canada have been so dry there's not a lot of production i know that usda figures our yields are going to be half of what they have been so it's all pretty attractive although you know one of the issues we're gonna have to worry about is excess and leftovers so we've been having some pretty good crops the last few years. That's what guys are fertilizing for, and we didn't get her this year. Yeah, yeah. I know even on our own farm, we were talking about that too. If we, we have acres that we harvest a short crop in, there's going to be some extra ends. So fortunately, this year, uh, fertilizer prices are ridiculously high. So uh, if we get some extra fertilizer left over, that's okay. That's going to be welcome going into next year. Not always crop. a bad thing. No, no, that's for sure. All right, Chris, I'll let you run. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling yeah. in, though. Yep, you bet. Thanks. See you guys later. All right, Brian, uh, get some soil tests that came in, and, and I thought this was kind of interesting. This came from Matt in Illinois, and he said, guys, I, I got really high micronutrient levels, and they're telling me that my soil was too hot to, to get an accurate extraction on the micros? is that Have you ever heard of that? And I, I really nope. haven't. I'm, nope. I just can't imagine. I mean, if you went right from the field immediately into the lab, maybe you could have hot soil, but I don't I don't get that one because normally you got a day in the mail and it's going to be room temperature by the time it gets there. Yeah, I've never heard of such a thing. But let's put it this way. I don't know which lab we're talking about. I don't know what their extraction method was. So I don't know the whole backstory and why they would have said that. But... I know this. First of all, your levels aren't like ridiculously off the charts. Your zinc is in the range of 4 to 23 parts per million. Well, that's kind of where we're at on our farm. I don't have I don't think we have anything as low as 4 anymore, but 23, 
um, actually somewhat common. I would say this, when you've got that high a zinc, you've got to take a look at your phosphorus to zinc ratio. So unless your phosphorus is off the charts, which I'll look here again, uh, no, it's not, your yield's getting hurt substantially. So you can't somehow mine that zinc out of the soil in one year. It's going to take a process, but here's where I'm going with this. Because your zinc is really high, now you got to get your phosphorus much higher. We usually like seeing that phosphorus to zinc ratio somewhere in the 10 to 1 kind of ratio. Even if it's, let's call it 8 to 1, 7 to 1, that's that's not too bad. But you got to get your phosphorus up because that's hurting your yield right now. The boron, you've got roughly 5 to 10 parts per million, which is, it is a lot, but... I honestly think we kind of need to be there on our farm to truly maximize yield in a good, heavy, high clay, high calcium soil. So, yep, it's on the high side. Here's the, here's the good news. You don't have to apply any boron, and at least in the zinc, you know, yeah, you might have to put a little bit on the spots where you're only at four parts per million. But even there, your phosphorus levels are not that high, so you could probably get by with that four parts per million. So what I'm trying to say here is, this is good news. I won't look at it as bad news. This is good news. And your manganese levels, a couple hundred to 400 parts per million. That's kind of what they have in a lot of areas in Europe where they have unbelievably great wheat yields. So that's a good thing. However, I would say the one key that we're always looking at with manganese is making sure you have enough iron out in that soil. So if you don't have enough iron, then that can become problematic. And I was just looking to see here if I even had an iron thing. I was looking. He's got, for our listeners, there are lots of pages of soil test information. And what it is, it's a map and showing what the levels are in each area in the field. I like it personally where I can just look at one sheet of paper. It might give me 50 data points and all this data on one thing. So then I can just look at very quickly, what do I have? But anyway, here's where I'm going with this. I don't see any iron tests on here. I would test your iron, and then I would take a look at that and maybe adding some iron. The iron needs to be higher than manganese. And with manganese levels that high, that concerns me a little bit that your iron levels aren't also going to be that high. Okay, now here's the other thing I'll say. If somebody actually told you, hey, it's too hot, your soil's too hot, well, to, to prove that out, just take some soil, throw it in a freezer for a day, and then send it in, and then see what the results are. I can't imagine they're going to be that much different, or your boron's all of a sudden going to go from 10 parts per million to 1 part per million. So yeah, just like Darren said, I've never heard of soil being too hot, but again, I don't know the lab, and I don't know the extraction method. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, I get Joseph with us over in Minnesota right now. Joseph, how's it going? Good. All right. I hear you got some kosher over there. Talk to us about where that's a problem and, and what you're thinking. Around the Porsche area, it's very hard to control. How do you how do you kill it? Kosher in, in canola, you said? In canola and in uh, the Grand too. Okay. It's hard to kill it. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay, so kosher is a tough one. We've been fighting that one for a long time over here. We're not Kenosha or canola growers, but I'll say this. We've got a couple of tools now in canola where we can use uh, Liberty in there as one. And, uh, Brian, talk to us about the Liberty because so many guys had up and down results from that last year. Okay, well, first of all, I would say, uh, w let me ask you, what are you putting out there for a pre in your canola? 
Oh, we lost him. Oh, shoot. Uh, okay, so I, I would say on the canola, we, we really want to get trifluralin out there pre-emerge. That's going to get a fair amount of your kosher under control. And then we'd like to see you raising the Liberty Link canola so you can spray Liberty a couple of times. That's going to be your best bet. And the main key here, whenever you're spraying kosher, is you've got to have great coverage because with kosher there are so many growing points on that thing even when it's small even when you have a two to four inch tall plant it's got a lot of growing points you have to kill each and every one of them liberty is a product that doesn't translocate or move well through the plant you have to have great coverage cover every growing point cover every leaf so use more water use more pressure use a good strong rate make sure you're using ammonium sulfate with that liberty then it'll work quite well so trifluralin followed by two shots of liberty that's the way i'd go Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPHD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPHD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. The proven Drago Series 2 cornhead with automatic self-adjusting deck plates beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture. Harvest more, return more with a Drago cornhead. For more information on Drago cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Ag PhD has one mission give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. 
Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I got some good news here. This came from Kyle up in south-central Manitoba, and he said, I've waited for many years for this drainage project to finally come together, but I am beyond excited to be able to take care of 14 adjoining quarters, four separate farms, two huge projects, 400-plus acres, and everybody working together uh, wow, what a project, Kyle. That's awesome. I'm super happy for you. We get a lot of calls from Manitoba about, oh, it's so hard to get drainage done. And uh, as Kyle said, he waited many years for this to come together. Just got to keep working and don't give up. And uh, glad to hear that's that's happening. You have to let us know how that, how that project works out down the road here, too. Let's head out to New York. We've got Steve with us right now. Steve, how's it going in New York? That's pretty good, guys. Appreciate being being back with you. You bet. Now, have you guys been catching all the rain lately, too? Um, yeah, pr- pretty much. We've had a uh, well. They tell me, and uh, and since we've been keeping records for precipitation, we've had the wettest July and August, and September is wet, but it's in comparison to what you folks get. We'll get. Uh, three to four inches of rain a month through the summer. Uh, then September and October can be uh, fairly wet, but then it then it um, subsides in November, December. But we're on the big lake. We're on Lake Ontario. And the lake has funny things. In the summer, normally, it takes the rain away. Uh, but in the winter, as, as you know, the, the snow comes. So oh, yeah. we've had a, a, a tremendous yield. Uh, and I, I want to be cautious because I know there's a lot of my farming brothers where you guys are located in north and parts of Minnesota that are really starving for moisture. But uh, I, I just uh, two days ago put away about 320 uh, big round bales fourth cutting, which we've never done that volume and that quality in 25 years of farming. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad for you. That's awesome. You know, when we know that the rain has been really short in some areas, it's got to end up somewhere else. So I'm glad you got it. We're able to take advantage of that because what a year. I mean, hay prices have been a little wild out here. How about in your country? Um, They they will be. They'll be consistent to a little bit high because uh, a lot lot of these folks that have livestock but uh, don't run a full-time business still have to feed their animals. And they had trouble, uh, others had trouble if you weren't right on top of it. That rain or that hay really got wet with the rain. Uh, my concern now is our beans are super, so is the corn. Uh, looks, looks like we're going we're gonna to be above average yields, but I, I just hope we can get it efficiently without breaking something or getting stuck because uh, the ground, I won't say the ground's saturated, but it's muddy. We got a lot of moisture. Hey, I'm glad you pointed that one out, Steve, because like like I say several times during the show, usually we got non-farm listeners here, and if if you're not a farmer, listen up. This is one of those really key tips here that Steve just gave out. Okay, wet fields, and I, I get the question all the time from friends that say, oh, it's wet, so what? You make a little mess in the mud. Uh-uh. No, we have equipment that, that gets wrecked out there sometimes. It just, we aren't 
set up to do this. And yes, we set up our fields for problems next year with compaction and other things. What what do you do when you run into those years? Because because you guys get them every once in a while, Steve. I I know, like you were saying, you can you can get wet in September, October. That can be a problem. Yeah, I, I mean on the on the very um, small end, you make ruts in the field, ruts and compaction. Well, you got to go back over those fields and. Uh, we're heavy no-till, so we, we, we got to run some kind of tillage to even those out. And and in a bad scenario, you, not only do you create ruts, but you, you create canyons when you get a, you know, a big combine stuck or a, or a tractor trailer that holds 30 ton. So what do we do? Um, tr- use as much track machines as we can, keep the combine uh, moving, and try to get in there with track machines and, and grain carts. Uh, it's about all you can do. And good Lord willing, there's times we've pulled two tractors ahead of each other, just keeping stuff moved around. It hadn't been a while, but it's in 25 years it's happened and it's, it's not fun. Yeah. And this year, fortunately the prices are pretty good. And, uh, and in your area, Steve, the fields are really good. You got something to go out there and get at least, so it's not like you're going out there to to get a horrible crop. At least, at least you got that going for you. So hopefully, you catch some nice weather here coming up, Steve, so everybody can do it and do it safely. I appreciate now, Paul, my farming brothers. Uh, good luck, good luck with harvest. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks a lot, Steve. We really appreciate it. Uh, Brian, we got a question and speak about harvest and safety. This one came from Jacob. So I've got a 60-foot auger coming out of my dryer going into a surge bin, and my dryer is averaging about 600 bushels per hour, pulling 10 points of moisture out. I feel this auger, though, may be grinding my corn since it's not running full. I'm wondering which solution I should do. Uh, should I be using a leg or an air system? Uh, I've got more fines than I'd like to see in my bins. I worry I might suffer quality issues uh, if I can't push air through this grain. Other other possible choices would be switching out that auger for a belt layer, uh, sizing the auger a little different, using a variable rate drive on the auger. Lots of things that I could do. How do you guys handle this? Well, traditionally, on our farm, we've run an auger. We've run augers, so I I know it's very helpful to have that auger full, and you're going to have less damage. What we've tried to do is have the grain a little bit wetter when we bring it in, and then when we dry it down, we aren't drying it maybe as far as some people will get it into the bin at, let's call it 16%, and then air dry it down to 13% if we're going to store it till the next summer. Something like that, that helps a little bit. The other thing that's important is just having a spreader in that bin to throw the fines out, spread them around rather than letting them all fall right into the middle. Certainly you can switch to a belt. You could switch to a leg. A leg would be my preference if you can do it. I like that a lot better than anything else. It's just for our setup, the way that our dad went, it was really piecemealed together. And now the problem is I I, I just... I just don't know if it's worth it now for us to go back and try to redo everything because it would be very hard where the bins are located and the grain dryers and everything else. So that's where pre-planning to say, hey, this is what it's going to be. But it's tough when it's something that was started decades ago. You know, they didn't 
necessarily at that point probably think, oh, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of corn bushels coming in and we need a big leg eventually and stuff like that. So it's tough. So yeah, we're just still running augers. But a belt is fantastic if you can do it. The problem is the belt is, in my experience, we just have found more maintenance. It's easier for that thing to get off and then you have to have somebody that's kind of paying attention and knows how to fix it. In terms of air systems, that can be done as well. It costs money. That also can ding up the corn a little bit. Certainly not as bad as an auger that's not running plumb full, but th- that can cause some damage too. We just like the leg idea or the belt idea, and the leg is our number one preference. All right. Thanks for the question, Jacob. Good luck. And so, yeah, getting everything set up right is is one thing. And then, like you said, you're pulling 10 points of moisture out. Well, some days you might only be pulling a few points out, and then the flow is a lot faster and all that. So it does does get a little tricky, no doubt about that. Uh, got a question here, Brian, from, uh, I should say a comment, from Roberto down in southern Brazil. He said, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you for your show. I'm an agronomist and a, a sales rep for a seed company. I like all the tips that you have. Hopefully, next time I get to come to the U.S., I can meet you guys in person. Hey, thanks, Roberto. Really appreciate that. Uh, glad glad the show is valuable for you, and uh, hopefully everything goes well for you down in Brazil. Got this one from Papa H., who said, uh, you guys are talking about Creeping Charlie for a weed of the week. I wish that grass was actually the the problem and Creeping Charlie was what we were going for because <laughs> Creeping Charlie has been really tough and we got to use a lot of chemistry to try to take that one out there. Is there anything other than using crop protection chemicals to kill Creeping Charlie out in the field or in a lawn? Well, Papa H., I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, you can lay a tarp over it and try and choke everything out and kill the whole lawn that way, but... Yeah, Creeping Charlie is just a tough one. I, I don't know what to do other than, than to utilize chemistry on that. But also, you could fertilize the lawn well, let the grass grow a little bit taller, and try and choke it out the best you can. Thanks for the comment. really appreciate that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil wants plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What's new from New Farm? 
Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to the East Coast. we got Richard with us in Delaware. Richard, thanks for joining us. really appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure to visit from you. Well, I was just out in Pennsylvania last week, and, man, it just keeps raining out there, and I don't know how you guys do it with all that rain. Well, uh, if you don't like the weather here, wait 10 minutes and it will change. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's going to change to snow before we know it if this keeps up. Uh, yes, it was, uh, woke up this morning, cold front came through last night and woke up this morning to a 49 degree morning. I have to say it was crisp and very welcome. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't mind that either. I don't mind this fall weather. It's pretty nice. So how, how are crops in, in your part of Delaware? Well, the early uh, the early grain crop harvest is uh, showing a lot of smiles. Uh, uh, corn uh, corn yields are are coming. Oh, we got a bad connection here, Richard. Uh, let's uh, see if Janelle can get get you on a better one. Uh, in the meantime, Brian got a question. This one came in from. Uh, Dudley, who says, what do you guys recommend for control of burr cucumber? All right, doesn't uh, Dudley doesn't specify a crop, so I'll just go through a few of them. If it's in wheat, I really like sharpened down. Uh, a couple ounces of sharpened seems to do a nice job holding it back. And then husky post-emerge has been been really good. What do you think of the new wide R match, Brian? That's probably another thing that I would say is, is uh, something to take a look at. If that works in your rotation, should be a nice product for for burr cucumber and wheat. In soybeans, I like the three pre's and especially the metribuzin. Don't leave the metribuzin out. That one really, really helps with burr cucumber. And then post-emerge Roundup, Liberty, uh, conventional beans. We like the STS chemistry, like Synchrony has been good. First rate's even done an okay job. Uh, in corn, I like balanced flex down. Verdict would be another good choice. And I'd save my atrazine for post. We hear a lot of guys putting the atrazine out pre, which works. It does kill the weed. 
but we sure like it to help out the post-emerge products like Callisto or Status to take burr cucumber out 100%. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Dudley. Hey, whoa, 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 hold up. So every once in a while, Darren or I will throw out random things like, well, I wonder how this would work. Yeah, well, you could try that. Okay, so Darren threw out wide R match for burr cucumber. Please understand, wide R match is not labeled to control burr cucumber. It's something we believe will give you some suppression, but that is not a labeled product. So don't be thinking, oh, that's the best thing. He started out with what the best thing is, and that's sharpen. Get your sharpen down in wheat, and then you're going to be a lot further ahead. All right. Uh, since we're on a weed control roll here, let's uh, take this one from Jim in Ohio. Uh, Jim said, I no longer have livestock, and I'm going to be converting a pasture into a mixed grass hayfield in the next couple of years. So no livestock will be consuming the forage. No hay will be baled for a couple of years. I would like to kill these problem weeds without using glyphosate, and I'm looking for your help. I've got yellow foxtail. That's a warm season annual. That's that's going to be the easiest one on the list here. Then broom sedge blue stem, which is uh, it's a grass. It's a warm season perennial, undesirable to cattle later in the season. So they leave that one and eat the rest of the grasses. So I can see how that one can blow up. He's got queen Anne's lace, which a lot of people will call it wild carrot. That's a biennial and it's an invasive. And also if you think about pulling Wild carrot or Queen Anne's lace. Make sure you got your gloves on because that one can can really hurt your skin. He's got Indian hemp, which is a perennial that looks a lot like hemp dog mane. He's got a bunch of different kinds of plantains, which are all perennials. Man, we got some tough weeds here and a lot of perennials and biennials. To do that without using Roundup, uh, man, I think I'd use the Roundup, Brian. I'm not sure why Jim doesn't want to use it. So we got to find something else. Well, there isn't anything else. Okay. So, well, so I don't I don't know what to say. I, you know, Roundup is one of the safest products ever invented. It is fantastic at killing perennial weeds. You just have to use a really high rate, keep the water volume down as well. And then you can basically, let's put it this way, start over. So, if you're trying to go in and seed some type of grass that you want, then it allows you to kill all these perennials and you get the chance to start over. That's what we've done in lawns for years, and, and that works very well. But, yeah, to Darren's point, you're looking at a lot of different weed species, and especially when you start talking perennials, we just don't have a lot of great control methods, especially pre-emerge. Well, going, and if they come back in your mixed grass hayfield, yeah. we really don't have many options. So nope. get them under control now if you can. And the cool thing is with those perennials, if you use Roundup, you can use a high rate of Roundup, get enough herbicide that it gets down into that root system and it takes them out for good so you don't have to deal with them again. So don't do any tillage. I would spray the Roundup first and kill stuff off. Right. I would do the exact same thing. If you were going to do tillage, the only tillage I would do is moldboard plowing because any other tillage is only going to cut the plant off and may make the problem worse, not this year, but for next year, it very well could make the problem worse if it's light tillage is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, that's why we don't recommend tillage. 
Okay, uh, get this question from Reed, and it's about micronutrients. He said, my uncle and I own a spinner spreader that we use for dry fertilizer. We've been spreading elemental sulfur at 20 pounds per acre with our map on an 80-foot spread. However, we're not very happy with our spread pattern on the sulfur as streaks were showing up in the crop this spring. So we wanted to go to spreading sulfur all by itself to improve the pattern. Our question is, how can we spread 20 pounds to the acre and could we add a dry zinc boron product to justify the additional trip? Is there a way to do this without going to an airflow when we're going to use such low rates? Well, yeah, you'd have to have a separate box on your spreader, a separate compartment, or, I mean, there are micronutrient boxes that can be mounted to the back too. But I'm just trying to say you're going to have to have them separate and keep them separate right till the end because if you blend them together it's very likely that the bulk density is going to be different things are going to settle out and you're going to end up with your streaking thing like you had before but I, yeah I, I, it's tough let, let me go back to question number one which was how you, how can you spread 20 pounds per acre we've done that for years what we ended up going to is not ground drive but a variable uh, electric drive and we can close things way down so we could put on 10 pounds if we wanted to. So there absolutely is a way to do that. You could talk to a couple of equipment manufacturers in terms of the fertilizer spreader. But in terms of the streaks, yeah, that's the, you, you, he was right on. And he said the airflow thing. On our own farm, too, I kind of got sick of it where we were spreading. We were trying to do all these different nutrients and variable rate everything. And it was a lot. And so we had to make multiple trips. And so we just bought a used airflow last spring for not that much money. And my goodness, has that paid off big time. So anyway, we've had it for like a year and a half now, and it's been great. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one from Zach in Illinois. And he said, guys, we've got a warm week coming up and we're harvesting corn, and it's a little bit wetter than my dad normally likes to do, but we've got good air movement in some new bins, and we just put bin fan controls on this year. So do we really push it this year in my first year using bin fan controls, or I should I play would. it safe? How wet do you think I could harvest my corn? Well, you can harvest it fairly wet, but... Like on our farm, we run everything through the grain dryer no matter what. We have two continuous flow dryers. It goes through no matter what. So it, it's a little different. We've never used bin fan controls to take very wet corn and, and dry it a lot. However, I will say this. for many years, So for 20 years on the farm, I ran our grain dryers. And I got the same question every single year is what I got just a day or two ago where our guys go, oh, well, we got a little bit of 28% corn. It's going to be in the bottom of the bin and you don't want that, do you? It might, you know, there might be even a load that's 30. And I go, guys, quit worrying about this. I've done this forever. It's, it's easy. Just throw it in the bottom of the bin, turn the fans on and let her roll and it'll be fine. And every single year we do that and every single year that grain is nice and dry later on and I have zero spoilage. So am I that worried about what you're trying to do? No, because chances are he's probably talking, what, 20% moisture, 22, 24. So it's probably going to be fine. It's just going to take a lot longer to get it dried down when it's it's a little bit wetter. But absolutely, you can do a lot of stuff with bin fan controls. Yeah, it's going to be really fun for your operation to, to try it out and just see what you do. And yeah, just keep an eye on things really close and, and you should be just fine. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. 
Always have fun on Farmer Friday. Got such a wide range of questions. If you didn't get your question in, again, you can send it to us, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.